Welcome to Locked On Flames. Today we look ahead to game one of the Flames' first round series against the Stars this afternoon. Plus, we'll take a look ahead at the or we'll take a look at the two dynamic two dynamic duos on either side of the series and tell you which will have a larger impact and more. I'm Jess Belmosto alongside Sean Lavery. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Flames for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of the podcast as soon as it comes out each day. Sean, you came up with a really fun segment. <laughs> it's not this. original at all. This is another <laughs> stealing of a segment. I'm a thief. I'm a segment thief. I just steal good ideas and fashion them as my own. That's my job as a former radio producer. That's what I'm good at is yeah. stealing segments. So this one was from Pardon the Interruption with Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon. We'll give them full credit. They play the phrase game and we kind of twisted it in our own way. They, their phrase game is just, you know, fill the blank with one word. Ours will kind of be, you know, fill the blank with a sentence. Um, but I was thinking of the Flames and Stars series, and I was just trying to figure out, you know, what is this series going to be defined by? Like, how can we can we predict what this series will be all about? Um, so essentially the task is, like, fill in the blank. This series will be dot, 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 and then go on and however you'd like to uh, describe this series. So, Jess, why don't we start with you since uh, I'm unoriginal and I deserve <laughs> to be punished. I'll go second. Um, what is this series going to be about for you? Fill in the blank. Like, this series will be what? great opportunity for the flames to prove themselves and you know maybe prove themselves as um you know a good market a good hockey team and also maybe the superior team in alberta mm. but <laughs> i think that might be established already just by the fact yes. that the Oilers lost again so very true i think this series yeah going on that angle like when yesterday we talked about how this series was ranked as the least exciting one to preview by NBC. Um, I think both teams kind of have that prove it factor. I think this series is going to be a lot more um, fun and exciting than I guess more, most pundits have have it pegged for um, mm-hmm. just because, you know, it does feel like the flames are the favorites, but it also feels like the flames are the favorites, not by that much. Um, so I think there's a, it's not going to be like Winnipeg Calgary. Like it's, it's going to be hard to beat that uh, at least in this round. Um, but I think this series on, on both sides, both for Calgary and Dallas, like they can prove that, you know, it's going to be a fun and exciting series. Uh, whether or not it lives up to that, you know, that's obviously up to the players, but I think there is a prove it factor um, for both sides, you know, just kind of in, in, in the bubble as a whole. Um, for me, this series will be a big opportunity for the flames to shoot themselves in the foot. And the reason I say that is because Dallas is known as like this amazingly good defensive team who was second in the league in goals against per game uh, in the regular season, but they have no offense at all. And like, you know, they have star players who we'll talk about next segment and Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan, but you know, outside of that, like who else do they really have? Like Joe Pavelski. Okay. Sure. Uh, Corey Perry. He's kind of, they have a lot of like old guys who are kind of past their prime. Um, and it's really kind of just been leaning on Sagan and Ben. Um, so the stars, they have this really good defense, but their offense isn't quite there and it's past their prime for the flames. It's kind of like the Winnipeg series where if they can just beat Hellebuck and kind of take care of their own stuff, they'll be okay. So in this series against Dallas, if they can, you know, break that strong defense and get a goal or two a game, um, then it's on Calgary again to just take care of their own things defensively. And if they don't do that, um, then they're going to get scored on by a brutal offense. And so that's why I think this series just has, 
you know, a, a high factor of Calgary shooting themselves in a foot in the foot, which would be so frustrating to see because Dallas isn't that great offensively. So um, theoretically, the Flames defense, which is quite good, and Cam Talbot, who had an amazing qualifying round series, they should be okay. Um, but if things start to go sideways, I feel like it's going to all kind of be on the Flames, and it'll be their fault more so than Dallas mm-hmm. kind of forcing it on the Flames. Definitely. And I think that maybe the Flames could get, like, I don't know, a little lazy potentially because they know that um, the offense isn't there for the stars. So it could be like, Oh, we can't take them too seriously. Right. So I know. Right. Uh, and that's why like, it's the whole, <laughs> like it would be the most frustrating thing to watch too. The flames shoot themselves in the foot because mm-hmm. they play well against Winnipeg, who was a really good team. Um, and then they get Dallas. The, like the luck of the draw is totally on their side. They don't have to deal with Colorado or Vegas or anything like that. But it almost feels like the most Calgary way to go out would be to lose to the team that you're supposed to win against after beating previously a good team. Uh, but like I said, like the Stars, it's just there's there's not much there there, you know. Um, yeah. Even their first line with Ben and Sagan, like two thirds of the line is good or should be good, and then it's Rupe Hints who is you know it's not anything you know, to, to be, I don't think, intimidated right. by in terms of yeah. a first-line center. Um, and then beyond that, it's all just a bunch of older guys like Pavelski and Radulov and Perry and Cogliano and Blake Como. Like, these are all – it's not a young <laughs> team by any means. And then it gets a little younger on the back end. But, you know, the Stars, there's there's not much there. So um, I hope the Flames don't shoot themselves in the foot. But I think this series, it has potential for it to go that way. Absolutely. And still to come, would you rather have Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monaghan or Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn? We'll tell you which one of these offensive pairs will be more of a factor in this series. Locked on Flames continues. Don't forget to follow Sean and I on Twitter. I'm at Jessica Belmosto and Sean is at Sean underscore Lavery. All right, so we mentioned, um, you know, really the only stars that, that's kind of funny, the stars the stars have Mm -hmm. um, are Ben and Sagan. And I noticed that Sagan actually um, was scratched the other day. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure it was just a precautionary thing, but we didn't see that, uh, well, also wasn't around Robin for the Flames, but we didn't see that with Gaudreau and Monaghan. It's, I, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. Who would you rather have the next five seasons? The next five seasons, it's so easily Monaghan and Gaudreau. Um, and it's kind of unfair because, you know, I think Sagan, Monaghan and Gaudreau are kind of all in the same category in this conversation. And then Jamie Benn, who's just a little bit older and he's in his 30s now, he's 31. Um is kind of on the outside of this conversation. He's still really good and talented for now, but you know, when you kind of talk about next five years thing, Jamie Ben kind of does kind of fall off the cliff of this conversation. So for the next five years, I think it's, it's so easily Monaghan and Goudreau and it's simply because of just their age. Um, It's not because of, you know, it's not, I'm not picking Monaghan and Goudreau because Jamie Ben and Tyler say against like a hockey. It's just, it's just a simple (laughs) age thing. It's almost like math and, 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 and inarguable. Right. I think the conversation does get a little bit more interesting where if you just remove the next five years and just look at this next seven games or potentially seven games, then I do, do think the conversation does get a little bit more interesting. Um, I think Jamie Ben 
would have a down season this regular season by his own terms. Um, he was that guy who scored, you know, consistently 30 goals for the last seven years. And then this year, even if it was a full season, he probably would have only been in the low twenties. He ended up finishing with 19. So it was a down season for, for Ben, for sure. Um, but, you know, I'm still nervous about Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben. Like, they still have that potential to kind of explode. It's like a volcano just waiting to erupt. And um, they're both so talented that, you know, I think it's not something you just brush off as they've had bad seasons, so we don't have to worry about it. Um, and Jamie Ben might have, like, the best hockey resume of a non-Stanley <laughs> Cup winning player in the NHL right now. So in terms of this actual series, I'm still maybe on the fence. What do you think, Just Would you rather, if you're just looking at this next seven games and you you were a, a, a GM of a random team and you somehow got to pick either of the two pairs, which pair would you pick? Um, I would go for um, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan simply because of, you know, the, the amount of experience that they have. Sagan won a cup and has had several... I guess two runs at the Stanley Cup, um, you know, deep runs. And um, I think that it, that the experience will show. And, um, you know, maybe the lack of experience from Gaudreau and Monaghan could potentially be an issue. Right. And and Sagan is kind of in that same spot as Ben is like their regular seasons are almost identical where they, mm-hmm. they were both in that low or the, sorry, the high teens in terms of goals, probably would have finished in the low 20s if the season went the full 82. Um, if you wanted to make this conversation totally unfair and kind of cheat <laughs> and expand it from the pairs to the top line, I think the fact that Monaghan and Goudreau have Elias Lindholm on their side mm-hmm. is a huge factor in why I'm going to pick Monaghan and Goudreau for this series. Um, you know, Monaghan and Goudreau on their own is obviously an amazing pair, and I would love to have that pair any day of the week. Um, and it's unfair in this conversation to bring in Lindholm, but <laughs> what Lindholm does for Monahan and Goudreau makes their game so much better um, every game and so much more, I guess, like responsible and reliable. Um, it's not that offensive line that's always getting destroyed in the defensive zone. So if, yeah. imagine Lindholm on, on Ben and Sagan's line as well. Like I would almost like Lindholm is kind of the sway factor for me in this mm-hmm. series. Definitely. And I think that Lindholm is able to, um, kind of hold his own as well like we saw him score a few goals last series or during the qualifying round and it was like oh okay you know you're not just here to you know rack up those assists you're actually going to shoot the puck Hmm. so I think that he really is the swaying factor in that right so are you like nervous at all like in terms of what the stars bring like if there was anything to intimidate you when you look at their roster, is it Ben and Sagan or is it something, something else that like maybe does give you just a little hesitation, if any at all? I, oh, I think the goaltending, I mean, I mentioned yesterday about Ben Bishop and just how fantastic he is, but I also am thinking about how the flames have the advantage of playing a competitive series versus a bunch of meaningless round robin games right so i'm i no i guess not really i know i'm kind of in the same boat where it's like there's so many like scenarios where it's like well i could see that being a factor maybe the, the the stars first power play unit if the flames are taking stupid penalties like they did in what was that game four against the jets or game three um the flame or sorry the stars first power play unit 
it's Ben Sagan Pavelski with Radulov and Klingberg on the points. And Klingberg is, is quite good. Klingberg is really, really good, mm-hmm. actually. Um, so that first power play unit is, it's, it's probably the stars, like, that's the, it's almost like the, the stars are in the position and the flames were last series against the Jets, where if the stars were playing the Jets and they had a bunch of power play opportunities like the flames did, um, I think the series would have gone very similar and that the stars would have cashed in mostly on the power play. That's kind of what, where they would have made their hay. So if guys like Andrew Mangiapane and Zach Ronaldo, if, if, if Ronaldo stays out of the series and Mangiapane stays kind of in his own lane and isn't taking stupid penalties, I think the flames will be just fine. But if, if that first power play unit for Dallas does get plenty of opportunities and does start to get some momentum on their side. Um, that's kind of where I think, like I said, in the first segment, the flames can shoot themselves in the foot um, in a series that they should be the favorite in. And it was funny this morning, I was driving home and uh, Calgary morning sports radio, they were doing their series predictions like we did yesterday. All three of the guys on the morning show picked the flames. So Ooh. like you and I, we all picked the jets last series and the, and the sports <laughs> at 960, the fan, they all picked the jets last series with us. And then this series around, we're all picking the Calgary again. So um, like we said yesterday, hopefully that that's not a bad omen for Flames fans. But yeah, um, there's not much out. on Dallas that that really scares me outside of that first power play unit. And then maybe a little bit of, of Sagan and Ben if they were to get hot. Definitely. And I think, um, you know, hopefully uh, Zach Ronaldo will um, not be playing. And I really think that, you know, uh, Jankowski made his case in the qualifying round series about why he needs to be in there over Mr. Ronaldo. Right. But, it was so helpful there to have that fourth line play more than, you know, four minutes a game where oh, Jankowski sure. comes in and now they're playing close to 10. And with all these games kind of being so tight together, it just helps to give, you know, your top two or three lines, even just a little couple extra seconds of rest. So. Absolutely. Hopefully, unless uh, unless maybe Corey Perry starts going crazy, hopefully we don't have to see Ronaldo. Yeah, I mean, that's really the only case where I would like to see him out there if Corey Perry starts acting <laughs> like Corey Perry. Right, right. But uh, still ahead, we talk about the Rangers and their number one overall pick in the NHL draft and um, Toronto just completely – or the Toronto ball, I guess, dropping the ball. <laughs> Locked on Flames with Jess Belmosto and Sean Lavery continues. Don't forget to follow our show's Twitter feed at LO underscore Flames. So the Rangers won the lottery. Very good. I was very happy. Yeah. I, I didn't watch because I was recording um, another show. But when I saw the video of the Toronto ball hitting like the, the post or whatever, I guess I laughed so hard because it was just so Toronto. Right. Of course it had to be the Toronto ball that does that. Like if that was maybe the Florida Panthers ball, that was so close to being the one selected, but you know, Mm -hmm. just kind of rattled around. I don't even know if it's a story. Like it might be like one guy tweets out, Oh, cool thing here. Like Florida almost won. And then it just kind of disappears. Um, but the fact that it was Toronto, of course, it turns into a gigantic story. Um, I was just so happy to see the Rangers lottery ball come up because yeah. they kind of fall the New York Rangers do into the category of a of a team who definitely could use a lottery win and and, lo- and a lottery pick. Um, and they're not like Pittsburgh or or Edmonton or Toronto where it would just kind of be a stupid win and the rich get richer. So yeah. um, 
definitely happy to see the Rangers win. It was one of those like random teams that you don't even think of like Minnesota or anything like that. So um, very good with the, very happy with the outcome. And also, you know, as, as, as an outsider now, I'm very happy to see the mayhem that the Leaf fans have to endure where there are so many comparisons to that ball and John Tavares hitting the yes. post on a wide open net. Like I just love the, the torture that the Leaf fans have to endure. That has to be the hardest team to be a fan of. Definitely. Like I tweeted after game five, I was like, aren't you guys tired yet? Like, doesn't this get exhausting year after year? I, oh my goodness. And for Alexis Lafreniere, like Mm -hmm. think of, if you're just thinking of it from a life perspective, like the options of the cities he had to go to, like instead of going to Edmonton now, he gets to go to New York City, um, which would be really cool for a young guy like him who's probably going to have a lot of money in his bank account really soon. So um, oh, yeah. just even for him from a personal perspective. And he gets to join Artemi Panarin and, you know, a, a solid team there with some solid pieces, some solid young pieces uh, in all spots on the roster. So even for him, it's it's a win for him, I'm sure. Definitely. And I think that the Rangers are going to have, you know, a few rebuild years. It's not going to happen overnight, obviously. But once all of those pieces come together, I think that they will be a threat mm-hmm. and hopefully we will see them in the upswing of things i don't want to see them do too well though because you know one of their best young defensemen is adam fox who was you know mm-hmm. a flames draft selection um who the flames you know obviously lost to the rangers so you know it's it's he's so good it's one of those things where you're like like damn it you hate to see someone like that <laughs> kind of just slip away slip away out of your fingers so uh, but the rangers are there like they have good young goaltending and then obviously adam fox on defense and now they have Panarin and Lafreniere up top. So, you know, it's a, it's a win for everyone. It's a win for all of us people who were neutral with the lottery and just didn't want to see, you know, the three-headed monster win. Um, <laughs> all in all, a good night. Definitely. And I think my biggest gripe was th- with this was how the Red Wings only won like 17 games and they didn't have any chance at getting the first overall pick. But then that also takes away from the, you know, tank for the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah. know. I, it's a double-edged sword, I guess. Yeah. Well, like, it kind of, like, brings in the whole playing round thing. Like, the Rangers mm-hmm. obviously wouldn't have been in the playoffs, but because of COVID and the playing round kind of being birthed, you know, they get a chance, I guess, to fight for a playoff spot. They obviously didn't put up much of a fight against Carolina. But what do you think of, like, I think if, if this playing round is going to be a thing at all going forward, the draft lottery is not even going to be a part of it. Like this was obviously just a, a COVID 2020 crazy pandemic situation. So yep. um, things are kind of being made up on the fly. If assuming the lottery part gets taken out of this whole playing round thing going forward and, and assuming years are normal in the future, would you like to see a play in round where maybe it's like the seven and eight seed in the conference plays against, you know, maybe the, the nine and the 10 seed where like those last four teams who are right on the edge have a short little, whether it's a three or a five game series to fight for that last playoff spot. Is that something you'd be interested in, interested in at all after uh, seeing what we saw last round? I think so. I, you know, it was very fun to watch. I enjoyed it. And I think that it um, obviously creates more money for the league. And um, if there's fans in the stand, of course, but I, I don't hate the idea of it. Yeah. 
I think there's a way where it kind of goes wrong. Like, I guess this is with anything though, but like if, if they were going to, I just don't want it to be, if they're going to do it, I don't want it to be a best of three. Um, so therefore I guess I want it to be a best of five, but then mm -hmm. part of me is also like, well, if it's going to be a best of five and maybe one of those bottom teams makes it to the cup final, like imagine how much extra games they're playing. Like they're yeah. playing so many games at that point. So you kind of feel like best of three has to be the way to go. Um, but my gripe with the best of three is that if you're going to have an 82 game regular season, or even if you chop down the regular season a bit just to fit in this playing round and you go to maybe 78 games or something like that, I just hate having 78 or 82 games, like a, a whole regular season be decided in three games. Like to me, that just feels a little, I don't want to say unfair, but like a little hokey, like it's, it's yeah. left too much to chance at that point. So um, I feel like the old man at this point saying like, get off my lawn, but I just like, I, I kind of don't want to mess with this too much at all. So I guess I'm more on the, on the side of just leave everything as a four round best of seven Stanley cup playoffs. That's, I don't want to change it too much. It's like this totally worked. I thought this was a great decision um, in 2020, given everything that's going on. And it gave, you know, a majority of NHL markets, something to cheer for. So I think it totally worked in this scenario, but if it's a normal year, I, I just, I don't really, it's not for me, I, I guess. Yeah. I don't think it would necessarily work, but I don't hate it, I guess. Like it's more hockey for me to watch and consume, right. but at the same time, it's at the expense of so many other things that the teams have worked for and mm -hmm. players health <laughs> and yeah. like, you know, their bodies and things like that. So I don't know. I'm I totally just... contradicting myself too, because <laughs> I love the baseball wildcard games. Yeah. Um, and that's even worse because that's 162 games being decided <laughs> in one game. But, you know, I feel like, I feel like that's baseball. Like that's kind of baseball's thing. Yeah. And then this play in round would kind of be hockey's version of how can we have our own version of MLB, of the MLB wildcard game. Um, so I guess, you know, if I'm, I'm contradicting myself, sure. But I think, you know, baseball kind of has something that's uniquely theirs and it should be theirs um, and other people should have tried to steal it. So maybe that's why that's, 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 that's how I'll justify my contradictions. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. Let baseball keep their thing and NHL, you just kind of keep, you know, riding this wave. I guess. Well, that's what everyone loves too is like in hockey, it's the playoffs and it's, you know, seven game yeah. series and game seven and all that stuff. So like that's the NHL's brand to to most non-hockey fans is having an amazing playoffs and so you know stick with your brand NHL keep it best absolutely. of seven absolutely and coming up tomorrow we'll have some real hockey to finally react to again and Sean and I will break down game one of the Stars and Flames series you can follow us on Twitter at Jessica Belmosto and Sean underscore Lavery be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app and you'll get the latest episode of Locked on Flames as soon as it's available each day. Don't forget to subscribe and listen to Locked on Stars with Josh Clark and Kevin Nash as the two of those guys will have you covered from Dallas's perspective all series long.